So this is Lynn Meadows White, and I've known Lynn and her husband Howard for probably over 20 years, and they have been uh, longtime servants uh, in South Georgia as ministers. Uh, many of you will probably know their names or maybe their faces. They served at Pierce Chapel United Methodist Church north in the northern part of, of Columbus for 31 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, Buddy served 14, I'm on 11, 31 years. you got that's a long a, way to go, Shane. That's exactly right. So, uh, we're all, you know, I don't know if I have that many years left, you know. So, uh, but uh, love both of them very much. They have been two that I've looked up, uh, um, looked up to in ministry to, to borrow best practices from them. Um, can't tell me times I've called both Lynn and Howard just to pick their brains on uh, what they're doing and how they're, you know, what's going on in the life of their congregation at that time. And obviously your two children, Elizabeth and John Howard, have, have been uh, people that I've watched from the sidelines. Yeah. But I, I wanted you to get to know Lynn uh, for a couple of different reasons. One, um, just their ministry impact in our city, I think is important. Um, and, and at the same time, and some of the things that you're doing now. So if you would, if, for those that don't know Lynn, if you would sort of catch us up to maybe a little bit about your faith journey, your life, and, and uh, just so that people can start to connect some of the dots. Sure. Well, first of all, let me start by thanking mm-hmm. Shane and, and St. Paul for this invitation. I don't take it lightly. This is quite an honor to be asked to be here, and uh, I have great appreciation for Shane. Um, Most of you know that he served as a district superintendent in the Columbus district. We were the Columbus district before we were Northwest. So he was our district superintendent for a long time. And he was uh, dear to us prior to that, but especially during those years as he helped to guide us. And I told the nine o'clock crowd this brief story and I'll share it with you because it tells you a lot about Shane's heart. As a district superintendent, he cared not just for us, my husband and me, but he cared for our children as well. And many PKs, preacher's kids, don't know the name of their district superintendent. My kids knew Shane Green's name because he paid attention to them. And my daughter, Elizabeth, who is uh, be 28 in a couple of weeks, uh, still has in her childhood room at our house a letter that Shane wrote to her specifically to her while he was district superintendent at a tough time in her life. And so she has always known uh, Pastor Shane. And as a mama, that meant the world to me. So I have loved Shane for a long time, and I'm grateful and honored to be still partnering with him in ministry in a different capacity. So thank you for this opportunity, Shane, to be here today. He asked me to tell you a bit about my faith journey. Well, I'll tell you it started in a church that reminds me of St. Paul in some ways. I grew up on St. Simon's Island in Georgia, and so I was part of the St. Simon's Methodist Church at that time. The time I was born, it was not United Methodist, it was Methodist before the merger in 68. And I was nurtured and loved by that congregation in some beautiful ways. I had mentors and leaders, much like you, who helped me understand and learn that I was a child of God, deeply loved by God. But I also learned that I had a responsibility to share that love, to help others know that they were also deeply loved by God. So in that church, I was nurtured as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I had pastors who cared for me. And I had a call last night from Sam Rogers, 
who's a dear friend of mine, and he said, Lynn, I see you're preaching at St. Paul. He had gotten your bulletin in the mail, and we're good friends, and I just visited him recently. So people like Sam and others nurtured me and cared for me and raised me up in the faith. And as I said, one of the things I learned was not just that I was loved by God, but that everyone is loved by God. And I learned that if I wanted to not just be a believer in Jesus Christ, but be a disciple of Jesus Christ and be a follower, that I needed to go where Jesus went. I needed to be in the places that Jesus would be. And so from an early age, I think God just cultivated in me a heart for those who are on the margins, a heart for those who often feel unseen, who are often discarded or overlooked by our world, by our society today. And so I've gravitated toward those ministries throughout my life. And let me just say quickly that when I came here to Columbus in 1991 with my husband, um, we, were, we were grads of, of Candler School of Theology at Emory University. I was a two-time Emory grad because I went to undergraduate school at Emory, had some very formative years there at Emory, and did mission work after my time at Emory, worked for a time in Mexico City with young teenage girls, street girls, then as a part of the Methodist Church's missionary program, spent two years in Dayton, Ohio as a part of the US-2 program. That means two years of service in the United States. So I was directing an inner city youth center in Dayton, Ohio with at-risk teenagers, kids who are frankly a lot like the kids that I get to love and serve now. Uh, after that, I felt called to go to seminary, ended up at Emory, back at Emory in Atlanta, met my uh, future husband there, Howard White. And during all those years, I, I learned that God was calling me to walk with people who know their brokenness and to be able to be a representation of Emmanuel for them. Emmanuel, you know, means God with us. So I wanted to remind people that God is with them, God is for them, and that God brings healing and hope even in the midst of brokenness and darkness. So I've had the privilege of doing that in many different ways throughout my life. Uh, when I came to Columbus, when Howard and I came to Columbus in 1991, brought here by our district superintendent, Jim Trice, many of you will remember Jim, and we thank God for Jim and his ministry among us, and I was able to be at the Pastoral Institute for almost four years as, an, as a resident I think they call them interns now, but that, those nearly four years were invaluable to me in my ministry. Uh, I don't think I would have survived ministry had I not had those four years as a resident in pastoral counseling just across the street here at the Pastoral Institute. But we began our ministry at Pierce Chapel in 1991, and yes, Shane, we served there together for 31 years, and yes, we're still married. Yes. So that yay, alone for, is, yay for uh, us, you know, yay for us. Brooke and I served on the same staff for six months. <laughs> And we realized real quick that uh, I guess what worked for the whites it didn't, it didn't translate. Doesn't well work the for everybody. Yeah, exactly but, right. So. Uh, we're thankful that it worked for us, and we had a wonderful ministry at Pierce Chapel. They're our beloved family even to this day. But we knew it was time to move on, and my husband Howard retired officially retired from the ministry in June. He's now serving a retirement appointment, and he went from serving one church to serving five. Yeah. So, he, so he, he does not retire well. Does he does he? not retire yeah. well, no. So. He serves five beautiful churches in uh, Taylor County, and some of them you know well, some of those folks from Taylor County you know well. But So he has his own ministry now, and I was able, by the grace of God, to move from my ministry at Pierce Chapel 
to full-time ministry with the Methodist Children's Home. And I always want people to know that even though I'm new on staff, I just started there officially August 1st of last summer, even though I'm new on staff, I am not new as a lover and supporter of the ministry of the Methodist Home. That ministry has been a part of my heart for many, many years, uh, and I'm just so grateful. It's, it's um, unbelievable to me on some days that I get to do what I get to do. Uh, that I get paid to talk about the Methodist home and to tell the story of the Methodist home because I want you to know that God is at work and you are a part of that work as a supporter of the ministry of the Methodist home. So tell us, so now that uh, sort of caught us up to speed a little bit about your faith journey and, and some of your work here in Columbus, move now into what do you actually do for the home? Yeah, well, let me, let me back up just a bit and say that at... Um, at Pierce Chapel, we had the privilege of being intimately involved with the kids at our Columbus campus of the Methodist Home. We have five campuses, you may not know that. Our home campus, our mother campus is in Macon, and we are 150 years old. We just celebrated our 150th anniversary last year in 2022. The Columbus campus was born in 2002, so we are one of four satellite or regional campuses here. And we were first known as Our House. And as I see my friends Becky Rumor and Bill Rumor sitting there, I can't say Our House without looking at Becky Rumor because she was instrumental in, in the creation of Our House. And that was our first Methodist home campus here in Columbus in 2002. It was on Veterans Parkway. Uh, not far from Pierce Chapel. And so as a Pierce Chapel pastor, we had an opportunity to get very involved with the lives of the children, not just from a distance, but with the lives of the children at the home. And then we moved in 2007 to the campus of Carpenter's Way Ranch. So many people say, well, so are you our house? Or are you Carpenter's Way? Well, it's the same ministry, but our house moved to Carpenter's Way Ranch, and now we are the Methodist home at Carpenter's Way Ranch. And we're in Catala, uh, Hunter Road. If you've never been, I'd love to be your tour guide someday. So at Pierce Chapel, we began to get to know the kids. We began to get to know the staff. And we, we had a group from Pierce Chapel in Carpenter's Way Ranch in one of the cottages or at Arabella in Waverly Hall every Saturday night. And we would bring dinner to them, get, give the staff a little break from cooking, and we would play games with them. And we just fell in love with the ministry of the Methodist Home. So I had the privilege of seeing the Methodist Home from that vantage point before I came into this role. On August the 1st, I had the opportunity to become the Vice President of Church Relations and Chaplain. And I really wear three hats in that role. So my first hat is VP of Church Relations, which means that I get to do what I'm doing right now. I get to be in churches throughout the South Georgia Conference. Uh, small groups, big groups, Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings, whoever will have me. And I get to tell the story of the Methodist home. I also get to be the chaplain for two of our five campuses. So I'm chaplain here on our Catala Columbus campus with our boys. And I'm chaplain in Americus with our girls there. So I travel a good bit. Uh, and someone asked me if I live in Macon. No, I don't. I get to live here in Columbus, but I travel to Macon fairly often. My third hat that I wear is called Donor Relations Officer. And I cover about nine counties on the western side of the South Georgia Conference. So St. Paul, I am your donor relations officer, and I get to relate to you and to contact you and to ask or answer questions that you might have about the ministry of the Methodist Home. So it's really my privilege to get to be in this ministry in several different ways right now. 
But I've, I've said to people several times that I'm really glad, I'm grateful, that I don't have the role of speaking about the Methodist home without also having the role of being up close with the kids at the Methodist home. Because I get to see behind the scenes. I get to see what your support does, what it looks like in the real lives of real children and real teenagers. There's a guy named Gary Lister who wrote a book about the Methodist home, the history. I think it was published in 2007. And in that book, he says that the story of the Methodist home will both break your heart and gladden your soul. I have found that it does both. It breaks my heart on a daily basis because I love the kids that we serve and I see the hurt and the woundedness in their lives. But it also gladdens my soul because I see what God is doing and can do through our shared work, through our shared ministry on every campus at the Methodist home. And I, with Shane's permission, I want to share a couple stories sure, with absolutely. you about you um, real, real kids. Uh, I won't share their real names, but these are real stories. Um, back in October, I was headed to Americus to be with the girls, and I was told that we had a new resident there, and this new resident had been a part of our Valdosta campus. Our other two campuses are Valdosta and St. Mary's, Georgia. And so this young lady had been part of the Valdosta campus, um, and for various reasons, it was decided that she would be served well by moving to our Americus campus. So she was new to Americus, but not new to the Methodist home. So I walked in our cottage in Americus that day, and one of the staff said, well, she's in the game room. So I went to the game room to introduce myself to her, and she was lying on a couch there playing a video game, and she was very polite. And, and when I walked in and the staff introduced me to her, she sat up and immediately turned off the game, and she said hello, and, and she also said, she said, well, I just want you to know that I don't like to talk about myself. I don't like to tell my story. Uh, don't ask me about my past, and please don't ask me why questions. And I said, well, okay. <laughs> Thanks for sharing all that with me. Thanks for telling me that. And I said, how about, I knew she had been at the Methodist home for about a year in another town. And I said, how about if you'll tell me um, a what question? She said, okay. I said, what is something good about the Methodist home? And she said, everything is good about the Methodist home. And I will tell you that that's not an answer that I expected because this is a teenage kid and many teenage kids know how to complain well, right? We all know how to complain well. But she said everything is good about the Methodist home. And over the, literally over the next hour to hour and a half, she poured out her story to me. But about 10 minutes in, with my mouth hanging open and in amazement at what she was telling me, I said, I'll call her JJ, I said, JJ, I wish I had a recording of this. I said, because part of my role is to tell people about the Methodist home and what happens in the lives of the kids that we get to serve. And she said, well, I'll start over then. <laughs> and so I went and got my phone and I turned on my phone and I began recording. So I want you to hear her story in her words. This is it. She said, everything is good about the Methodist home. Without the Methodist home, I would still be living on the streets, surviving for food, stealing stuff out of stores just to eat at night to feed my younger sister and brother. I was taking care of all of my own things, and it was a struggle. This young lady is about 16 at the time that I'm talking to her. She said, they take care of us, they clothe us, they feed us. They're very much just like a parent that some kids wish they could have. 
She said, I've seen other girls when they come in, and I was one of those girls. I was rude and disrespectful. I was like, I don't care, leave me alone, I'm not talking to you. That was my attitude. I was disrespectful, but I didn't like myself as that. These staff are trying to help you, not harm you. They're here for you to help you let your guard down and show you the love and compassion your parents couldn't show you. They're all united as one to help us. She said, even though I messed up some of my chances, and let me stop here to say that I learned that she had been at Valdosta campus for a long time and then was moved to a foster family that didn't work well for her and she was moved back to the home in Valdosta. So that's what she's referring to here when she says, even though I messed up some of my chances, they still gave me a second chance to come back to the home. She says, I messed it up bad. Then I went to the foster home and I got more privileges and I could do whatever I wanted to do, but I saw that structure and discipline the kind I get in a group home is very helpful to me. What a mature statement. What a mature realization. She continued and she said, I learned a lot of things from the Methodist home. I learned about taking care of myself. I learned about hygiene and being a proper girl. Now, ladies out there, especially young women, listen to this. She said, I learned that wearing skinny jeans and a crop top doesn't make me cute. I learned that me personally, my own self, my own personality, that's what makes me pretty. That's a lesson that all of our girls need to learn, and she's learning it at the Methodist home. She says, without the Methodist home, I wouldn't have anything great in my life. I wouldn't have clothes. I wouldn't have shoes. I would still be living on the streets. I would still be doing drugs, selling drugs, be out on the streets. I would still just be messed up, causing problems. Her words. I'm changing my life, she said. I'm doing ILP, which stands for Independent Living Program, which is for our older teenagers that get to transition from life in the home to life as an adult past 18. She says, I'm doing ILP. I've, I've made up my own choice to go to college and be a travel nurse. I'm trying to finish school. At first, I didn't want to go to college. I thought, I'm not for that school stuff. I thought, I'm going to stay with my street stuff, but not anymore. I know that college is what I need, and this is where I belong. That was JJ's story, poured out from this young woman who had said to me, don't ask me about my past, don't ask me about my story. When we are willing to listen, they will share, they will talk. So the Methodist home is a place where kids like JJ find the simplest, most basic things that our kids don't ever worry about, shoes on their feet, clothes on their back, place to sleep, but much more than that, a place to become who God is calling them to be, who God has created them to be. Yeah, not just JJ. I know there are other stories. There's another story, and this is one from our campus here in Columbus or Catala, and we serve boys on our Catala campus, and we are in Harris County, and so we are tied to the Harris County school system, and we are so grateful for our partnership with them, and for the teachers and the tutors that come four days a week to the Columbus campus and help our boys with homework. Uh, well, we decided in October to have an open house for those in the Harris County school system who serve with us, who partner with us. And so we hadn't done this before. We didn't know what to expect. We didn't know how many people would come, but I began to email principals and assistant principals and te the teachers of our boys and school board members. Uh, I know we have some school board members here, former school board members here, and we reached out to them and district employees and some of our uh, uh, board members on our Columbus Advisory Board, and we invited folks to come. 
October 18th, it was a Tuesday night. The Monday prior to that, one of our boys said after Bible study, he said, uh, Miss Lynn, I would like to speak tomorrow night. And let me say that our boys had mixed feelings about that open house when I first talked to them about it because, yes, they were excited about it, but, you know, you sometimes don't want your teacher coming to where you live, depending on your relationship with that teacher. And so they were kind of leery of some of it, but this young man said, Miss Lynn, I would like to speak tomorrow night. And I said, you would. And he said, yes, ma'am. And I said, well, what do you want to say? What do you want to talk about? And he said, I want to tell my story. I said, you want to share your story tomorrow night with them? And he said, yes, ma'am. And I said, skeptically, shame on me. Well, do you promise to be appropriate? <laughs> he said, yes, ma'am, I promise I won't cuss. And I said, well, thank you so much. I'm going to call him Randy. It's not his real name. But I said, Randy, okay, that's great. And I talked to our residential director and asked, I said, are you comfortable with Randy speaking tomorrow night? And we don't know exactly what he's going to say. And he said, yes. So Tuesday night, October 18th, that time came. The place was packed. Becky and Bill are my witnesses. Uh, they were there with us. And we didn't know how many would come, but they just kept coming and coming. And our, we had parking lots full of teachers and principals and assistant principals and coaches who were so excited to be invited to our campus. And so I did some introductions and introduced some VIPs. And then it was time for Randy to step forward. And he just stepped right forward. And he began to share his story. And I remind you, none of us knew exactly what he was going to say. Well, he just began to share from his heart about his life. And, and after a couple of minutes, I pull out my phone and I begin recording. I thought I'd learned my lesson, you know, from JJ. Well, no, I, I began recording. And so after that night, um, I said, Randy, would you allow me to transcribe this? Because part of my job is telling the story of the Methodist home. And he said, sure. I said, I won't use your real name. He said, I don't care, Miss Lynn. And I said, I won't, but thank you that you don't care. So here's Randy's story, part of it, in his own words. He began speaking before I turned on my phone, and he had talked about being in foster care since he was very small. He had lived in Texas for a while, then he lived in Chicago with his older brother, who was five years older than he. And for a time, they lived in a drug house. He called it a trap house. And later, I had to say, Randy, tell me what that means. He said, Miss Lynn, it's a drug house. I lived in a drug house with my brother, 14 and 19 years old, in Chicago. And then, this is where I turned my phone on. He said, then some stuff happened. My brother committed suicide, and so it was just me. That's when I got moved here to the Methodist home. Ever since I moved here, this place has changed my life. They've taught me to be responsible, respectful, to be a gentleman, all kinds of stuff. I love these people to the bottom of my heart. They really helped me. This place is something special. These kids and, and all of his fellow residents were standing there in the crowd listening. And they, he said, these kids, there's a lot going on in our lives. But I promise you, man, we're good kids. And I know he wanted to say that because he told me later, Miss Lynn, so many people think we're not good kids. He said, I promise you we're good kids. He said, I've been through hard times. Ever since I've been here, these people have had my back. These people are going to do whatever they can to provide. I love all these people, all these staff. And Randy was standing in front of our uh, staff desk there in the Averett house. And and there's a little ledge on that desk, and on that ledge is a wooden sign that says F-A-M-I-L-Y. And it just happened to be there, and Randy just happened to be standing there. That was not orchestrated. And at this moment, he turns around and picks up that wooden sign that says family, and he holds it up, and he says, this right here 
is the most important thing to me. And he points and he says, these people are my family. I love all these people. And he motioned to some of the staff who were behind him. And he said, these people are my brothers. I love y'all boys. I love y'all boys from the bottom of my heart. And we all needed Kleenex at that point. I was dumbfounded to hear Randy tell his story, to hear what he was willing to share, but also to hear what the Methodist home, what that experience has meant to him in his life. It is life transforming. I wish every story was like this. It is not. But if God will give us the kids that he's allowing us to serve, we will try with every single one to give a family to each one, to help them know that they matter, that they are loved. So this is, what, this is a sample, Shane, St. Paul. This is a sample of what God is doing through your support of the Methodist home. So one of the reasons why I wanted you to hear that is because what the home needs is not just churches like St. Paul who, who write them into their budget and, and help support and them And we appreciate that. Yeah. We want that. And we're glad to do it. Yes. You know, but at the same time, they need people. They need hands, they need, uh, they need faces, they need people who uh, will, like you mentioned, I think, in the, the last service, there's a group that goes out and cooks a meal on, yeah. just for a, a group of kids on a Saturday night just to give the staff a break. Right. So what are the ways that we could either participate as a church or maybe as an individual? Well, there are lots of ways to do that. And, and we do need real people with skin on to come and help our boys know that they matter. And so we have groups come to offer a meal, to bring a meal, to play games with our kids. I was with Pierce Chapel folks last night. We were in both cottages and playing bingo and playing a ping pong game, even though there's no ping pong table, and just having a great time sharing and talking with them and looking at the Christmas gifts that they got. Um, that's something that we would love to have folks come and do. Maybe have a cookout for them or uh, play basketball with them. Any basketball players in here, our kids love to play basketball. So that's one thing that, that's really helpful to us. Um, we love to have Sunday school classes or small groups. People come out and do special events for them. Um, and I remind you that we love having the folks who bless us tremendously at Christmas time. You are wonderful, and we are so grateful for that. But we serve kids 365 days a year, 24-7. So we would be so blessed by having more monthly supporters, individual supporters who love our ministry, feel called to our ministry, and are willing to support us financially. We need people to serve on our Columbus Advisory Board. I see some faces out there of folks who serve on that board. And I served on that board for years before I came on this staff. That's another way that I learned about the Methodist Home. So we need folks who are passionate about our mission to serve with us on that board. One of the things that board does is plan our annual fundraising luncheon called Giving Childhood a Chance. And it's coming up again in March, March 21. It'll be held at St. Luke. In the past, we've had folks that Shane doesn't like, like Mark Richt and Kirby Smart, but they're good folks, really good folks. We've had people like that to come and speak. Um, this year, I think Bruce Pearl might be a good speaker. You think? Too. Well, yeah, recommend so him. You I speak will. to Bruce for yeah. us. Okay, we can do that. Uh, this year, we're having Daryl Strawberry come and speak. And many of you know Daryl as a fantastic baseball player, but you may not know that he has a remarkable redemption story. I've heard him. I heard him in Macon in October, and he's coming here in March to share. And he has a new love for the Methodist home. So we need folks to support that luncheon, to serve on our board. We need business owners in our community 
to sponsor that luncheon, and I can give you information about how to do that. We need people who care about this mission, this ministry, for kids who have often been discarded, frankly. Our kids primarily come through the foster system of the state of Georgia. We have over 11,000 foster kids in the state of Georgia. Do you know that there are not enough families to care for all of those kids? So the Methodist Home cares for some of those children, and we need people to care for them in all kinds of different ways. Um, Another piece of the Methodist Home work that is so critical is our Hope Foster Care and Adoption Ministry. We need people to become foster parents or to support those who are foster parents. We need churches who will rally around foster families to be a supportive big family for those families who are caring specifically for children. So if you have a heart for fostering or a heart for supporting foster families, we'd love for you to get in touch with our Hope Foster Care and Adoption Ministry, which is on our campus in Catala as well. So there are lots of ways, and I would love for you to contact me directly. Uh, I've got Gateway Magazines. That's our quarterly magazine there, I think some in the Nordex. You can pick one up. You can find my contact info in there or, or find it through Shane. Uh, but I would love to get you connected to the Methodist home in any way that you feel like God is calling you to do. Uh, because as I said earlier, I, I know and you know, friends, that to be a disciple of Jesus is not just about what we know in our heads. And it's really not even what we just profess with our mouth. It is where we take our feet. It's where we use our hands. It's where we pour out the love in our hearts. It's about where the people that we serve, the places that we go where Jesus would go. And I believe Jesus would be right there in the thick of us at the Methodist home. So I invite you to join us there um, as you see fit, as you see God calling you to do. Well, thank you. We all need a personal ministry uh, where we give our, ourselves, not just what we do inside the walls here at, at St. Paul, what we do corporately, but uh, at some point we need to grow into where we... we we own our own ministry, Absolutely. and that's not just for the clergy. That's for, oh, that's right. for anybody. anybody. If you've been baptized, you've been commissioned out to ministry. That's right. So uh, if you're looking for a place to serve or you want a, more information, I hope that you will engage Lynn or engage Beth Sayers or, or Becky Rumor, uh, Laurie McRae, myself, those that have, have had some, some work with the home. Yeah, Shane uh, just serves on our foundation board as well. You didn't yes, that's, say uh, that. Yes, that was, I do, thanks to uh, Becky Rumor. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> and I'm happy to do it. I've, I've kid with Becky, but uh, my, my family's been engaged with the children's home for yeah. probably the better part of 15 years, and so we're, we're delighted to do so. Yeah. But I hope you will take advantage of a place to serve here in our backyard uh, and to be used by God in a way that makes a difference in the life of, of another person. Yes, and thank you, St. Paul, for your faithful ministry to the Methodist home for so many years. I got to just say hello to a couple of Sunday school classes who've supported us in beautiful ways, and we're so grateful. And I want you to know that the kinds of stories that I shared are possible because of people like you, because of the generous hearts of folks like you. So we, we're grateful for you, and you partner with us in this ministry. Lynn 